You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Next week, Steve is pinch hitting for him. Steve, this group of early enrollee freshmen that we got to meet with the other day at Ohio State—what an impressive group! I mean, we knew they were impressive on the field. They've got three five stars that have already enrolled. Um, C.J. Stroud is another guy that's really knocking on the door to be a five star. In fact, he is a five star according to Twenty Four Seven Sports. He's not quite there with the composite. But just we'll get into some more specific guys. But just overall, what an impressive group of young men this is, Steve. Oh, I agree with you, Dave. It was very interesting. Good, good opportunity to uh, to talk to as many of them as possible. It was kind of like uh, speed dating. They had 14 guys uh, sitting at uh, tables, and, and most of them came out at about the same time. And so you had to kind of move around the room a little bit and, and hit the high points and talk to as many different people as possible. And we've posted videos, I think, of just about all of them uh, on uh, on Bucknuts.com. So if you want to catch some of that, definitely we invite you to go on there and, and uh, look for the story, Sights and Sounds, from the signing day festivities. It was posted uh, on, uh, well, today's Friday. It was posted uh, early on Thursday. But, uh, yeah, very impressed with uh, what we saw and heard. Uh, so many of the guys are coming in with their eyes wide open. And I think it really helps that there's that many of them because there's comfort, you know, when you have that type of company there and the workouts are hard or, or going to class in the wintertime can be hard or having to go to study table. I mean, you think about their day, Dave, and and, and I know they don't come in for 6 a.m. I don't think they come in every every day for that, but probably three, four times a week they do. And that's running and lifting. Uh, yesterday was the uh, the mat drills with the entire team was there at 6 a.m. And uh, wow, you know their their eyes have got to be uh, you know wide as saucers, as they say. I think uh, you know they they go to class uh, morning to afternoon. Uh, probably have a little bit of free time. Uh, dinner, obviously, study table probably after dinner. And then it's uh, lights out and back up at 6 a.m. in the morning. I mean, it's like they're in the military right now. And I think, uh, you know, in some regards, they're probably excited to have that uh, type of stability or or that type of uh, regimented uh, schedule. But at the same time, it's got to be tough for them going through it for the first time. Yeah, it is like boot camp. Um, We got to meet with them on, you know, like we're saying, on Wednesday, right before they had to do the mat drills. Yesterday they were all, you know, you know, bright eye, bushy tail. I bet today they're hurting. Um, but hey, that's how you get better. And Mick's going to break you down, and then he's going to build you back up. And you know, Mick is the best in the country at what he does. So the Buckeyes are very blessed to have him and Pantone behind the scenes. And uh, of course, 
Ryan Day taking over the program, even taking over for a legend. He's just keeping the train right on the tracks. You know, let's get into some of the specific guys. You know, let's start with the quarterback. C.J. Stroud's a guy I got a chance to spend a lot of time with. I'm very impressed with him. I, I was, again, another guy. I had never interviewed him before, so I was already impressed with him off the field. And he seemed like you could kind of tell he was a good guy just from some of the interviews that I saw with him. But, my gosh, was I impressed with him as a young man. I, and this, you know, Jack Miller might end up being the quarterback. Right now, if I had to predict, I think C.J. Stroud's going to be Ohio State's starting quarterback mm-hmm. in 2021. Uh, and I think he's going to beat out – you know, Gunnar Hoke and Jack Miller to be the, the backup this year. That's just my prediction there. Um, just your thoughts on how you think it's going to shake out with C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller as far as this year's true freshman and going in, into the future. Uh, do you see one of those guys being the starting quarterback later in their career? Yeah, it was very impressive talking to both of them. I would probably agree with you. I would give uh, Stroud the uh, the early nod, I think, when you look at it. Uh, what you had with uh, Jack Miller was a guy that uh, I think really, I don't even want to say he peaked, but he was outstanding early in his high school career. Sophomore coming out of his junior year, that type of thing, was ranked extremely high. And then he had some injuries and some things that kind of crept in there that, that kind of drove him down the list a little bit. At the same time, Stroud was putting up these big numbers, Rancho Cucamonga, and then he gets invited to the Elite 11 last summer and blows up. And he told a story that it was in the course of the Elite 11, uh, the opening, whatever it was. Uh, I, I'm drawing a blank on that. But he was on his way to winning it, basically, after two or three days. And uh, he got a text from Ryan Day saying, hey, you're going to have an offer from Ohio State. We want to get you to come out here and visit and it's painfully obvious that Ryan Day had a Quincy Avery or somebody at the Elite 11 feeding him back the information that this kid is a can't-miss, and you've got to get on board with this kid now. And he said when the Ohio State offer came in, he knew that, that his life had changed. That was <laughs> that was pretty telling right there, that he'd had a few offers from some different schools, say UCLA, USC, whatever, but he said when Ohio State came through, uh, he knew that this was now serious business. And he went out and won the Elite 11 and blew up bigger than anything, national top 100 player by the end, and uh, I agree with you. I, again, I want to see him on the field. We have no idea you know, at the college level who's going to step up and be that tough guy in the pocket and make those throws and, and keep the ball and run it and those kind of things. But I would say he has the inside track right now. You got like I sat down and talked to Jack Miller as well, like his moxie a lot, and I think that uh, he's going to be a hard guy to beat. But if he's healthy, which is you know I think a thing he's fought the last year or two, I'm excited to see both those guys go through spring practice. I mean this is. This I'm trying to think what this is like. Um, there was a good competition a few years ago, uh, not not Haskins and and uh, Burrow, but uh, uh, maybe maybe Zwick and Smith even back then, where where both of them were really good. And of course, the cream finally rose to the top with Smith. Uh, you know, just a, it's a friendly competition right now. I will leave on that the thought on that topic, just saying that C.J. Stroud said that he believes in his heart he's going to have a great college football career, and he thinks that uh, Jack Miller will also have a great college career as a quarterback, just from what he's seen so far of him. 
and you know it's left open ended which one's going to be at Ohio State and which one may have to leave and go somewhere else to accomplish that. Uh, they weren't talking about transferring at all though when we met with them, and I would imagine both of them would stay at least through the spring of 2021 to kind of get a verdict on that, or uh, perhaps Ryan Day keeps that uh, close to the vest like he did with Haskins and Burrow and try and string people along to to get them to stay. But, uh, you know, I say these things, and I don't mean them in any kind of mean way, but, I mean, when we've seen uh, Baldwin, who was supposed to be content to be the backup, you know, pick up and leave, all bets are off. You know, I think... Oh, you have right. to live here, live here in the real world and, and, and accept the fact that it's going to be hard. Plus, McCord coming in next year does give them an insurance policy if one of these guys would pick up and leave. So, I Yeah, you're just being realistic, that. man. I mean, yeah, yeah this is just... Got to sign a new one every year, pretty much, at that level. Yeah, this is just the new landscape. I mean, you, I mean, we're not going to sit here and you know act like this isn't a real thing where quarterbacks, you know, are not. You know, they're going to be looking to get in the portal earlier and earlier than ever. I don't know if you can do it much earlier than Baldwin did, as you mentioned. But yeah, this does seem to be shaping up to be, you know, Dwayne Haskins versus Joe Burrow part two. With the only difference is these guys are in the same class. But uh, moving on, I mean, these quarterbacks are coming in with maybe the best wide receiving class ever at Ohio State with Julian Fleming, G. Scott, Jackson Smith at Jigba, and Mookie Cooper. I, you know, I got a chance to, to spend time with a couple of those guys. I know you spent a lot of time with Julian Fleming. I listened in a little bit on that. My gosh, is he impressive. I like all of these guys, man. Fleming, G. Scott, Jackson Smith, Mookie Cooper. I mean, what a good group of guys. I agree. Uh, Fleming seems to me be, be the next Olave. I mean, he just looks the part, and I think that uh, – I would be excited to see what he does. Um, I think he's determined uh, to compete and contribute as a true freshman, just as Olave did two years ago and Garrett Wilson did this past year. So I would look at him if we're trying to rank them in order of guys that are going to make an an instant uh, push. But G. Scott, I sat there and talked to him as well, and uh, he admitted it's a little bit of a culture shock coming from Washington State. Uh, to Ohio and having to get up at 5 in the morning to be there at 6 in the morning. He said that on my body clock, that's 2 in the morning. So, you know, that that was an interesting story that a West Coast kid is is falling in and, and trying to uh, make the best of the situation. Uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, also very impressive. Sat down and talked to him and Mookie Cooper. Now, with Mookie Cooper, there's an interesting thing. He did not play high school football as a senior, so I think some people lost sight of him and maybe downrated him. Um, the the details on that remain a little bit sketchy. It was not something that he really wanted to elaborate about. But the story, in a nutshell, was he left his previous high school, went to another high school, and was not uh, able to gain eligibility, I guess, at the second high school and again, I don't have all the details, and he didn't want to talk about it. But uh, the good news is he came through all of that, and he is uh, at Ohio State. He's been through some adversity, and it's only made him stronger. I look at him as an inside guy, you know, maybe to play that H-back uh, receiver position. Uh, beyond that, uh, Julian Fleming said, I don't care which one it is. I just want to be on the field. And I think that that kind of mentality, I think G. Scott's a bigger guy, so he may be uh, for the split end of the X. But I think that, uh, you know, the mentality those kids came in with is, is outstanding. And, you know, I think Ryan Day put this perfectly. He said, you know, 
in the past, we've had multi-veterans. I mean, you had Campbell McLaurin and uh, Johnny Dixon were there in a three-man group. And then this past year, you had uh, Hill, Victor, and Mack were, you know, the year before you had six of those guys. Uh, this past year, you had three of those guys plus Olave who had played. Going into this year, the only two that have really, really played a lot are Olave and Garrett Wilson. So spots are wide open. I know Jamison Williams is also in that mix as a returner. But other than that, nobody else coming back's really ever played. So uh, jobs are wide open, and uh, maybe one or two of these freshmen will pop right in there. And, 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 you know, they view the top four or five as co-starters anyway, even if they're not out there for the first play. So it uh, could be a thing where they cross-train different positions, and youth will be served, I do believe, with at least a couple of these guys in uh, 2020 are going to get a chance to play quite a bit. And it's pretty cool when, with these 14 early enrollees that the uh, all three of the five stars are have already enrolled. You know, Julian Fleming, um, Jackson Smith, Najigba, and Paris Johnson. And as I mentioned earlier, C.J. Stroud's knocking on the door to be a five star. He's a very, very, very high four star in the composite. He is a five star in the 24/7 Sports in-house rankings. So, and all of those guys have already enrolled. Um, Last guy I want to ask you about specifically is Paris Johnson. Um, he's a guy I yeah. got to sit down with. Very confident, but not in a like cocky way. He like is very confident. He you know he's confident in his abilities, but he also knows he has a lot of work ahead of him. He knows how hard it is for a true freshman to start, but he also doesn't want to come up with the attitude of oh I'll come in and be a backup, get on the field a little bit. He has the mindset of he wants to work to be a starter, and if he falls short, he falls short. But he wants it to make at least make it a tough decision for the coaches. I really like that attitude. And if he, you know, he's a guy, if you watch his film, I mean he's he's out there, you know, he's pancaking people, he's getting guys fired up. You know, he's a, he's a type of offensive lineman. Almost plays with almost like a uh, you know tie one of those tight ends that that really likes to be boisterous and everything. You know, he, he plays with a lot of attitude and, and a lot of flair for an offensive lineman. I really he's another guy that I think is just going to be an absolute star. No surprise to any of the listeners out there. We're talking about the number one offensive tackle recruit in the country, but just another guy that I was really impressed with uh, speaking with for the first time, Steve. Yeah, I agree with you, Dave. He knows the score. He has a full understanding, and uh, he comes uh, fully built and ready to go, you know, as an offensive tackle. I mean, uh, I want to say he's in the six four, six five, three hundred and five, ten pound range in that. In the, I could be off, you know. Six. A he's six bit. six. He's a legit six six. 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 Yeah. Yeah, six six. So, you know, he you got there Munford back at left tackle, and then you're looking to replace Brandon Bowen at right tackle, and you've got Nicholas Petit Ferrer, who is you know furiously trying to put that weight on probably, and and still you know trying to trying to get up to where they want him. you got Dewan Jones, the, the big kid, who played a little bit uh, this past year. And then I think you're looking at Paris Johnson, maybe Ryan Jacoby in that mix as well. I'm not sure. But uh, Paris Johnson is, is, is right there, and, he, and he's not going to take a backseat to anybody. So uh, I do believe the way that they were able to, uh, to play depth-wise. I mean, I think the offense is not going to take a, a beat a step back much at all in my opinion i think they're going to put up a lot of points get on a lot of people early and that'll give uh paris johnson a chance to get in there i mean you know it's interesting they open with bowling green then they play at oregon which is uh you know a really tough game in game two a road trip against a quality top 10 opponent 
And will they play that depth when they get to Oregon? I don't know, but uh, I don't. I would think Paris Johnson's going to be in the mix somewhere. I, I can't predict he's going to start, but I would think he's the next guy coming off the bench if he's not the starter. So uh, I think he's going to be right there in the mix. I don't. I don't see anything to 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 stop him from you know being in that mix. I think that if he's in there and, and Coach Stud is happy with uh, the way he practices and everything, the way he scrimmages, I think he's going to be in the mix, no doubt. I want to finish the show talking about your buddy, Mark D'Antonio. Um, and I say your buddy, I mean, he, I saw him at Big Ten Media Days a few years ago and uh, went up to him and, you know, uh, said hi to him. And he remembered me, but, you know, he, he says, good to see you, David. He said that the very next thing out of his mouth is, is <laughs> Steve Hellwagon still a buck nuts? And I said, yes, absolutely. Absolutely, Coach. Oh, he's, like, yeah, I like, he's like, I love Steve. You know, that, you know oh, he's just gosh. going on about how much, before we could even do the interview, he's going on, on about how much he loves you. So your buddy Mark D'Antonio well, is stepping down. And then I just want you to get into that whole thing. Just break it all down for me. Him stepping yeah. down, what you think about that. And then do you think Luke Fickle will – Want to take over for him? I know it has to d- depend on what the terms are, but just you know, your thoughts on D'Antonio stepping down and if you think Fickle might replace him. I have a lot of mixed thoughts on Mark D'Antonio. It was obvious they won the 2002 National Championship on the basis of their defense, and that was Mark Van- D'Antonio's baby, obviously. And uh, Cincinnati, very astute, uh, the powers that be down there, when they uh, threw Rick, Rick Minner overboard, they brought in Mark D'Antonio, and he breathed some life into that program. You remember our, our old friend Charles Babb years ago that we worked with. He thought, this is a terrible mistake. Why is he going to Cincinnati? And at the time, he was only going to get paid like three-quarters of a million dollars or something on a five-year deal. And I said, well, first of all, Charles, you know, three or four million dollars over a five-year period is nothing to sneeze at, so you set yourself up financially. First of all, he just thought it was a terrible mistake. Well, I knew the quality of the person going down there was going to uh, invigorate that program, it would be a jumping-off point for him, which it turned out was a jumping-off point for him, then for Butch Jones, then for uh, Kelly going to Notre Dame, and so on and so forth, and now probably for Luke Fickle to go somewhere. So, you know, I, I have a great affinity for him. I think that, uh, you, you know, he always preached toughness, you know, with the kids and this, that, and the other. And uh, I, I actually got to play with him in a golf outing one time, and, and, and he has a very dry sense of humor, but we laughed quite a bit that day. And uh, you don't see that sense of humor come out with him very often. Well, you know, they go through this time at Michigan State, and he has one of the great runs in the history of the program, and, and I think he, he eventually took over the wins uh, career lead there at Michigan State and won three Big Tens. And they got in the playoff, and they got waxed by Alabama. And I think that that was a turning point. Uh, in one way, I think they started to lower a little bit of their standard in terms of quality of human that they were going to take to go to Michigan State. They became all about uh, the the quality of the player and not so much the quality of the human because they thought they had to compete with Alabama and Ohio State where they really didn't need to. As long as they stayed with what they had, they were good enough for what they needed to be at Michigan State. I mean, they got into the playoff, which says a lot. And they beat Ohio State a couple times there early in Urban's career, too. So they were they were on a pretty good path. Well, they kind of sold themselves out to the devil with some of these guys that they took. And obviously it went sideways on them. They took the guy from the Sound Mind, South Body uh, camp to Blackwell to run recruiting. 
to be kind of there paying Tony, and that didn't work out very well. And and they they scapegoated him for some of the decisions that they made. And uh, then you have the offense. The last few years was just miserable. He didn't make any changes. Had too much loyalty to his staff. And uh, now is the time. Uh, he collected his four million dollar uh, uh, bonus for staying on as the coach through the end of last season. And then two weeks later, he up and leaves. And, uh, you know, my opinion on him is not going to change a whole lot just because of what I knew him to be way back when. But I just think that uh, that Alabama loss was a turning point, and uh, they made some very bad decisions from that point on. Uh, he and whoever was advising him there at Michigan State, and uh, that's where they ended up three or four years later, is now he has a clouded legacy, potential NCAA allegations, etc. And then you turn to Luke Fick who I think he is dying to pass the torch to give to Luke Fickle that job. And Luke's making about two a year at Cincinnati. Uh, D'Antonio was making four a year with that uh, bonus kind of hanging over his head, which equates to you know closer to five a year if you amortize that bonus in. So uh, Michigan State's got Big Ten Network money. They all do. I mean, they, they can spread it around. And they can outspend, you know, and, and if they turn Luke's head and say, we'll give you a five-year deal, $5 million a year, that'd be awfully hard for him or anybody to turn down. Luke's done a great job recruiting at Cincinnati. He got Prater, one of the top quarterbacks in the country from Wyoming down there, uh, to go to UC. He'd be turning his back on uh, that fan base and those kids, and that's an awfully hard thing for him to do because he's big on loyalty. Uh, also would uproot his family. He and his wife, several children. I know one of them is a prospective athlete. He took him down to Louisville, believe it or not, for an, a, a visit with the, the Louisville staff. So, um, you know, I don't know. Um, I would put it uh, likely. I don't know likely is the right word. I would say it's possible he would pick up and leave, but it would be some heavy thinking on Fickle's part. And, uh, you know, I don't think Cincinnati is where he's going to spend 20 years as a head coach. So, Plus, he's got his own ready-made uh, replacement, Marcus Freeman, right there in-house. And it went so far the other day, Dave, they were asking Combs, is he going to leave to go to Cincinnati as the head coach? He said, no, I'm not a candidate for anything. I'm here at Ohio State. So, man, uh, it could set off some dominoes if uh, <laughs> if Pickle leaves and, and they call Kerry Combs, who's a Cincinnati legend, uh, you know, former assistant there and Colerain head coach to come back there. So, I don't know. Don't rule anything out. I see that unlikely. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – it's a situation we've got, Dave. I don't know. Uh, you know, Michigan State, uh, you know, they were probably a better football program on uh, solid ground than Michigan a few years ago, and now I'm not so sure you can even say that. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Great stuff from Steve Hellwagon. Really appreciate it, Steve. And thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Bye.